The topic today is debit card fraud. And I'm talking with Daniel McIntyre, Information Security and Business Recovery Analyst with Superior Bank, Birmingham, Alabama. Daniel, how are you today? I'm great, Tom. How are you? Very good. Looking forward to, to talking with you about this because this is an issue I know that just comes up consistently with, your insti with institutions. In your experience, Daniel, how big is this issue of debit card fraud at financial institutions today? Uh, speaking from experience for the institutions I've worked for, uh, debit card fraud had an enormous impact. Um, you know, it was many years ago that debit card fraud was like the little brother to any amount we would charge off, you know, compared to our credit cards. But, you know, starting about a year ago, it it was three times the amount of anything we were charging off for credit cards. And I think that's just because, you know, you open accounts, you get a debit card nowadays. And um, so it's just the sheer number of cards that are out there in, in the field has, has definitely made it something you need to get a hold of. And or else it could it could hurt you bad. So for the, the consumer side, Daniel, how does debit card fraud tend to manifest itself? We see the largest losses um, through no fault of the consumer at all. Uh, they've, they've been a direct result of data breaches uh, where a company, whether they know it or not, has been storing credit card information and then they've gotten hacked into, so you know, thousands or millions of cards have been taken in a, in a short matter of time, and you know, the criminals will do a small test charge. If it passes, they've got a live card in their hands in a matter of minutes, and they're charging it up. Wow. So at the inst institutions you've worked with, what have you done to fight this challenge? Uh, the most successful thing we did ha was more or less a fluke um, that was uh, specific to one institution that I worked at where we started noticing a trend of um, the track data that was coming in on uh, card present transactions was actually different than what we had on our cards and it turned out that uh, some programming error along the way resulted in us having a non-standard track format. And I won't go into all the details because it's still working for them. <laughs> but uh, so we were able to, on any transaction where the card was present, if it did not contain you know that that specific element in the track, we were able to just deny it. Great. And and I know not. That's not going to work for every institution, but it's certainly something that all institutions could implement by just using the empty fields in their track to change to change the data and make it specific to them. Sure. It doesn't protect you from an out and out, you know, I get your card and skim it on a skimming device, but it does protect you from they just have the card number and expiration date that they got from hacking into my system and that worked out really well um, like I said it still works to this day we really had to um, we used to use Visa's Chris system for our debit card activity and, and over the years that just it wasn't 
it wasn't strong enough to combat what we were seeing. So we had to move to a third-party system that involved, um, it was a rules-based fraud detection system that we programmed and monitored in-house. Uh, it later evolved into a rules-based and neural net uh, system. And it, we were able to cut our losses by a third or more on average uh, by having that system installed. It, it it paid for itself in one year rather than you know the, the three or to five years that the rate of return was expected. So I'd highly recommend if you have the money uh, and and the resources to look into a fraud detection system. There are several companies out there that that have them available, and I, you know we've, I've worked with several good ones. Uh, and if you don't, then there are there are companies out there who will you can outsource to who have the fraud systems. You know, if you're a small enough organization that you can afford it, that, that you can farm it out to them, and they'll monitor your card base 24 hours a day. So those are definitely things that that you need to be looking at if you haven't already. Now, how long have you been working in debit card fraud, Daniel? For about 12 years. So you've been around almost as long as the debit cards have, really. Well, that makes me sound old. (laughs) What would you say has worked best in fighting fraud and what has uh, been least effective? I think the best thing is to definitely take a as proactive a stance as possible. Um, unfortunately, everything we do in the industry is reactive to some degree rather than proactive because we're always waiting to see what the criminals are going to come up with next. Um, but taking that proactive stance of, 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 of trying to do something, you know, putting in the rules-based system, putting in a neural net, uh, contacting your peers uh, to see what's going on in their specific areas of the world because, you know, what's happening in California today will be happening on the East Coast, you know, in a week or so sure. or vice versa. So definitely plugging in to to your peers or, or to these networking groups is a great tool. Um, Visa and MasterCard put out two of the best tools that um, we were able to use as a gauge for where we needed to direct our our um, fraud research, I guess you could say. And uh, with Visa, it's the CAMS report. Uh, I'm not sure what the security alert uh, is from MasterCard, but it's a list of card numbers that they know have been compromised or believe have been compromised. So what we've done at um, both of the institutions I've worked at is to take those reports, put them into a database. We also have a database of the fraud that's occurring. And every, you know, twice a month, every month, just on a regular basis, run those card numbers up against the fraud that's occurring. And after you see the spike, then you can take it to the lines of business and say, hey, we need to shut these off. We need to turn them off, reissue them, because we're fixing to have a huge spike uh, uh, you know, off this list because 
the cost of reissuing is oftentimes prohibitive. These lists can be massive. But once you see the spike, you at least have the ammunition to tell them, we now have confirmation fraud is occurring on this group of cards. We need to do something. You know, whether that be run a report to show your highest balance customers and just shut them off to mitigate your losses, or whether you shut the entire list of cards off and reissue them, at least you know. And, and you can subscribe to those as, you know, from Visa and MasterCard. Those work very well. Sure. What has been least effective or less effective in your experience? Least effective is more or less the approach of we're going to wait and see, you know, and then try and clean it up afterwards. Um, it, it's just it's just not the way to go. Sure. I've, I've worked with people who who take that approach. They they don't want to be the first in the field to do something, or they don't want to cause waves with the other lines of business, so they just wait. And any time you just wait to see what's going to happen, well, it's going to happen. Sure. And and that's always been the only effective. Now, you spoke before about oftentimes the debit card fraud is not something that consumers have done. It's a breach database. But, you know, there are things that the consumers can do to protect themselves, too. What are some of the best ways that you've seen to educate consumers about the perils of debit card fraud? We've taken several approaches to educate our customers in the past. Um, unfortunately, you know, the best lesson that any customer gets is to learn the hard way and have it happen to them. And the topic's been around for years in the news media, so everybody has heard something about it. or And most people know somebody that it's happened to. So it's not that they don't know. It's just that, um, in, in my opinion, they're inundated by the media and by um, you know helpful friends and family members that forward emails around the world 50 times. <laughs> they get so much information they don't know how to weed it out. Um, I've seen organizations put flyers in with statements uh, in my opinion, I don't think that's the best way to go. It's better than nothing, but you know, if I get my statement, I'm looking for my statement. Uh, anything that's in there, I just think you're trying to sell me something, and I toss it. Right. So uh, I think I think the best approach, if you're going to use a mailing campaign, is to send the customers a letter or a notice specifically about that. Don't don't muddy the water with you know hey, we've got great loan rates, and oh, by the way, you know, this is what you can do to protect yourself. Just tell them up front, this is what you can do to protect yourself, and then remind them constantly. Another uh, very successful campaign was to place information about fraud protection on our VRU. Uh, they've used it for years for marketing when you're on hold, the music will interrupt, and you'll hear a blurb about, you know, we have this rate going on or this promotion going on. Well, we decided to use that time when you have the customers, you know, undivided attention sure. to 
let them know different ways that they could uh, protect themselves and what they should do if they suspect that something had happened because so many times people don't realize that there are time frames and things that they have to follow in order to be 100% protected. Um, and just getting out and, and, and meeting with people, uh, like talking to you today. It's uh, I've always made myself available to get out with civic groups and uh, social social gatherings where people are at, they're looking for speakers. They want uh, you know they're just looking for something to fill a time slot, and you make yourself available. Hi, I'm you know. Daniel McIntyre with such and such bank and we're here today to talk to you about debit card fraud and people really respond to that. They they appreciate you taking the time to get out there and personally meet them. They have lots of questions and the, sometimes the question and answer session lasts longer than the talk and, and they really appreciate it. It puts a good image out there for your organization that, that someone is taking the time to educate them. And Those are just some of the best ways that I've seen in the past. Now, it sounds like a great approach, good outreach. Now, as you say, the, you know, the, the best thing to do is be proactive about this. We know that not all institutions are. For institutions that are just now starting to tackle the problem of debit card fraud, what one piece of advice would you give them to get started? Don't wait. Don't think you're going to be lucky forever. You know, if you haven't felt the blow yet, it's going to happen. As your organization grows in size, you're going to become more exposed. I've worked for large companies and I've worked for small ones, and and everyone eventually feels it, it's going to happen. You just need to get with some of these vendors, uh, talk with your peers, find out what they're doing, then get with the vendors. See if you can put together a business case to either outsource it or bring it in house. Um, you've got to start monitoring in it and monitoring it regularly in order to keep anything drastic from happening. Every morning we would come in and and we would review everything that had been blocked the night before to look for new trends and we would reprogram the rules on a daily basis. So it's not something that you can just put in place and forget about it because the criminals are going to get around you. Sure. It's, it's, it's inevitable. You just have to always be right on their heels. You may get ahead of them today, they're going to pass you, so you've just always got to be right there, ready to jump back in. Daniel, that's excellent insight. I really appreciate your time today and your thoughts on debit card fraud. Well, thanks, Tom. It was great speaking. We've been talking with Daniel McIntyre from Superior Bank. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.